This is an ABC podcast. You've seen them on stage and screen, you've heard them on the radio. You feel like you know them, right? But do you? Really? I'm Virginia Trioli and welcome to the first episode of my brand new podcast, You Don't Know Me. Each week I ask one person my seven set questions and they're designed to find the surprising or reveal the deepest fear and discover the private history that have made these remarkable Australians who they are. Because despite all their notoriety, you don't really know them. So let's change that, shall we? Today, the unknowable man, the comedian, actor and satirist, the man of a thousand faces, who's apparently had lifelong friendships with people who couldn't even tell you his middle name. Sean McAuliffe will be avoiding answering any of the questions that I have for him today in You Don't Know Me. Sean McAuliffe, hello. Virginia, lovely to be here. Uh, I'm surprised you usually do your research. That that name is very easy. Um, If you Googled me... (laughs) It's that simple. It's Patrick, by the way, if you want to write it down. I didn't look it up for the gag, Sean. I mean, oh, oh, I see, I see. I thought this was just a regular conversation. I forget there's a microphone between us. <laughs> well, no, no. what you don't realise is that I then try my pathetic attempts at trying to be humorous because, you know, I'm here with one of the greatest comedians of our generation and I try and stick oh. my oar in, you know, so is I what I try. There. Who else had come in the room, I thought. <laughs> um, well, that's very kind of you. But And, and we, we kind of know each other. I mean... Mm-hmm. We know each other in like a showbiz way where when we do get together in front of a microphone, you know, we do what we do, which is we pretend to know each other a bit better than we really do. <laughs> but we kind of know each other off the mic, don't we? Well, we know each other well enough. I had lunch with you once. Exactly. You took me to lunch and um, and apparently, I don't even remember doing this, I ate something off your plate. Oh, yeah. And you found that so remarkable that you actually included it in the article. Yeah. I and mean, I- see, it wasn't a real lunch. It was, it was a lunch in the service of an article that I was writing about you. So again, maybe maybe we're projecting onto each other. Maybe we don't really know each other. This will be good fun. This is, uh, I, In fact, I just did something I've never done before in my life. What's that? Which has changed the bottle on a water cooler because it was empty out there by the way I'm sitting out there dying of of thirst and I've never done that before and it worked well I didn't spill it anywhere so uh, is that that one of the questions you were going to ask me? No but it immediately puts me in in mind of isn't there a famous scene with changing a water bottle in some famous silent movie involving Buster Keaton or someone like that? I immediately have images of you coming to grief with the water bottle as you try and change it. Well if only but uh, (laughs) you know it was at Kate Halfpenny she wasn't looking out the window. If she was looking out the window I would have done it. I would have done it. Just for the gag. Sean McAuliffe answering the questions. I'm going to start with number one. You'd never know it, but I... Was once Humphrey B. Bear. Were you really? See, you didn't know that. That's I didn't good. know that. Oh, well, that's it. Now, you're probably too young to remember Humphrey B. Bear. Absolutely not. That's my generation. Uh, yes. Well, so I did uh, in Adelaide, where Humphrey B. Bear lived, uh, I did uh, kids' pantos, you know, kids' pantomimes. Oh, yeah. When I was a young actor, like I'm some 13, 14 years old, and uh, they did a show, and Humphrey featured in it. And uh, the, the the actor playing Humphrey, I, hope I'm, I should have said spoiler, if there was anyone listening who yeah. thought he was real, but uh, <laughs> there was a, a dancer by the name of uh, Tom Fairley who inhabited Humphrey. But being on for 90 minutes, it's too long for him, so he had to go off and rehydrate for two scenes, and I came on in his stead. So I had a very old Humphrey costume, 
uh, not the one he was wearing. Well, I had a really old one, like a like the first one probably. Uh, and I'm a bit taller than Tom, so I came on. So Tom's about five foot four, so he'd walk off, and then I was as a fourteen year old six foot two, and then I would come on. Humphrey a bit taller at that point. Taller and and, and rattier, and the fur oh, a bit yeah, sort of more matted. Yeah. Like. Not looking, not looking that well. The kids, <laughs> the, the rough, kid, the rough one. Yeah, not good. In fact, it was a filthy costume because I ended up getting pyrrhea as a result of it. A terrible mouth infection at the oh end of it. God, because really? you, you move Humphrey's mouth by, by putting a little uh, pad uh, inside the head on your chin. So yeah. you move the chin up and down, and that moves his open and closes his mouth. Right. Uh, and I was also wearing glasses back then, so the light, the spotlight. As you would are so, now. Would so, yes, the spotlight would sometimes go into the mouth and reflect off my glasses back out into the audience. So for a moment there, a slightly taller than normal ratty Humphrey would shoot uh, light like in, beams from its mouth like a like a Godzilla movie at that point anyway the kids didn't notice they were stupid and small and soft brained they were fine that's hilarious so I did that I did that that was uh, that was many years ago and, how many uh, times uh, well we did a you know it'd be two week season so I'd be doing two shows a day uh, I was I, I mind you I didn't really do Humphrey I kind of just did Harpo Marx or or Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> but Humphrey did have particular gestures. Yeah, I didn't worry about that. No, okay. <laughs> I just made it my own. <laughs> it's like Batman, you know. There a lot of people can be Batman, but, you know, uh, the Christopher Nolan sort of Christian Bale Batman is different from the Michael Keaton Batman. I felt my Humphrey had more honesty and verve, and he certainly was a lot funnier than Tom's version. So did, uh, did your Humphrey, when your Humphrey came out, does that mean, because, because you were taller than the actor, that Humphrey had sort of like short pants and maybe was showing No, he never ankles? wore pants. He never wore pants. No, well, Can't you remember? That's he, true, he was pantless. He just wore a, waist, a waistcoat and a uh, a. a tie so people didn't notice i mean he was a bit skinnier too i mean because he's a little more stretched gee i'd love to hear maybe they thought it was another character had come on. <laughs> okay well i did not know that that's, that's a great revelation thank you very much where's the sound effect we do need sound effects don't we yes. Doing. no i'll do this one <laughs> can you provide your own sure i'll do that each today? time Sean McAuliffe is here in You Don't Know Me and he's providing all of the sound effects. The second question, the fork in the road that I almost took was... Again, about 14, 15, I almost joined the priesthood. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but I uh, I was a Catholic schoolboy and uh, we, I went to careers advisory with the brothers, the Maris brothers, Sacred Heart College. Oh, the Maris brothers, right, yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, well, what do you want to do? And this is the extent of the uh, careers advice. What do you want <laughs> so, to do? Sounds inspiring, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, what, do you, what do you want to do? <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah, the emphasis was on you. What do you want to do? Because yep. it was a cue. And I said, well, you know, I, and I wanted to be a good boy. And I thought, well, you know, we would always been told about the calling, yes. that we may get the calling. And I imagined I'd had the calling. And I said, well, I'm... I thought maybe I joined the priesthood, and he said, eh, "How old are you?" And I said, "Well, fifteen. And he said, "Give it a couple of years." <laughs> and I think he meant girls that might sort of enter into the scheme of things. He could see something, or more you. accurately, he could not see something in you <laughs> yeah. when he said that. <laughs> I think so. Maybe he knew that. Uh, yes, the road to the papacy was uh, <laughs> was not the one I should be taking. Had you experienced the calling? No, but you you get told so often that yeah. you might hear it that I think I'm I think I heard something. <laughs> Somebody yell at me from a car once, and I thought, what did, did, oh, did he say? Did he say join the priesthood? I, I don't know. <laughs> probably you jerk. I think was. Probably were you your... very religious up until that point? Very uh, observant. Well, we were an observant family. It's what it's what was one of those things I learned at my as I was being dandled at my parents' knees. Uh, so without question, it was kind of just always there. What's your uh, confirmation name? Joseph. Oh, 
So would you write that down? Sean Patrick Joseph McCarlough. Oh, li- yep. Sean Patrick Joseph. There's the giveaway. Actually, my name, Sean, was existed far earlier than me because my mother, she tells me when she was about 15, she just doodle in the column of her exercise book up in Lock Eel in South Australia, Sean. She was just running. She liked the name Sean, and she was going to name her son Sean, whatever he looked like, whoever he was. No, there was no question around that. I existed before I existed. Ever any regrets about turning down the priesthood? Uh, No, no, I I don't think I... (laughs) I think, uh, yes, the loss... If there was any loss to the priesthood by me not joining, I think it was more than made up by all the other things. I mean, I, I'm very happily married and have three children, and uh, you know, I don't think that would have happened had I joined the priesthood, although, you know, you hear stories. You, hear, you certainly hear stories. In fact, you? it's very interesting. <laughs> I found out the only reason priests can't marry in the, in the Catholic Church, and it was just a way of making sure that uh, the property of the church didn't get passed on to um, offspring. So it was a way of just keeping keeping the stuff in the in the church that's the only reason there's no other reason it was just greed and keeping the stuff in the church has uh, been a very successful strategy by the church and other churches but the catholic church in particular for nice, a very long time nice paintings very nice paintings very nice chapels i always oh that's for you to answer not me I'll, I'll tell you what i always do but it's, it's your turn now touch the post Beg your pardon. Okay. Well, when I go for a walk, I, I have a morning constitutional and I, I walk for an hour a day. And I, I'm a creature of habit and I always walk the same way, uh, the same gait, and also the, the same direction and the same place. And there's a little post at the end of the half hour points. It's an hour walk. And I, I must touch the post before I turn around and go back home again. If I don't do that, I feel kind of weird. So it's a little, it's just some mild compulsion I have to ah, touch the post. If the post is, if it's ever moved or removed, I don't know. Quite what will what, happen? I don't know. Will you go and put another one in its place, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> that is a solution. Uh, I don't see, I don't think I would have thought of that. I think I would have just crumbled. That's why, that's why you're These who problems you are. can be solved. Yeah, that's I guess right. so. They're all solved. Didn't think of that. Are you a fast lycra-wearing walker oh, or are you no. a stroller? No, I'm a stroller. I fancy that sometimes, uh, every now and again, every month or so, I jog a little bit during the walk. How does that go? Well, I go, I go like, oh, I'll jog 10 paces, and I jog 10 paces, and I walk 10 paces, and I think, oh, I'll jog 20. And I jog 20, <laughs> and I walk 20. And I do that up until, I, you know, I'm, jo- I'm jogging 200, you know. Uh, and then I realised that I'm uh, 58 going on 59, and my knees aren't what they were, and I'd stop that for another six months. I hear you, brother. Mm. Same same situation, really. Do you do it for fitness or for freeing up your mind? Uh, well, I have nothing. I have no other exercise regimen, so uh, it's the only exercise I do. And so, so we'll write down fitness in inverted commas. Yeah, fit, there. fitness okay. is uh, in parentheses and in yep. lowercase and uh, <laughs> italics, leaning because it's tired. <laughs> Very lowercase. I never get away with lying. I never. I I'm unable to do it. It's You're prob- a bad liar. I'm probably why I'm not a very good actor. I think. I wouldn't have said that, but go on. Well, did you ever see Sea Change? You remember that was on years ago? Yeah, I watched Sea Change. Well, you remember I was in it? No. Oh, <laughs> you didn't make it to the third series. No. Well, I, was the, I was the boyfriend at the end after it really went downhill. It was, it was Diver, Dan, <laughs> Diver Dan. Yeah, William, I remember Diver Dan. Yeah, William McGuinness. Yep. And then me. I was Laura's last boyfriend before she decided to reject me. And who decided that you were bad at that, Sean? I've never heard any reports that you were bad at that. There was no fourth series until (laughs) 15 years later. Oh, I see. You're deciding that you killed off the series. I've no doubt. Shouldn't you have answered, I always... 
doubt myself. Shouldn't that have been the no, correct answer? No, I just, I just can't lie. I'm not very good at it. And I, uh, if I, occasions, you know, you kind of tell white lies yeah. occasionally to your children about, uh, but I go into too much detail. When I try and lie, I, I really I lay it on much, you know, you know, like, for example, when I was young coming home, you know, where have you been? And I, I may have had a few drinks at that point. So, and my parents uh, didn't know I had a few drinks. And I would sit down on the edge of the bed. Oh, well, it was very interesting, uh, mother and father. I, uh, I, uh, I was, and I saw uh, Al and I saw Ollie and we, we went out and we, it was very interesting. And it, so just too much detail, which just instantly says lying. Have you been caught out lying from time to time in that horribly embarrassing no. way where you've had to fess no, up? Yeah, I've no. just made that up. No, I haven't. No, I don't think I've ever been caught out that way. I think I've, I've, I've crashed and burned before anyone twigged. Isn't it more that you just, you not that you're bad at lying, but you, you don't like lying? I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. Maybe I'm really good at it until I, you know, kind of... I show everybody that I'm lying. Well, you know what they say. I mean, you need to practice these things. Maybe you just need well, to practice. Are you practice any good at it? I mean, uh, at lying. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think so because I blush. Ah. So the moment I start to lie, I blush. Well, I, I haven't. It's a dead giveaway. I've seen no colour come to your face since I came in. I'm, if I'm, anything, I'm just thinking about it. now. I'm going to blush now. I'm just no, thinking about lying. I no, haven't. there's a deathly pallor to you. <laughs> you don't worry. <laughs> The happiest moment in my life was? Well, this is a bit mawkish. I'm not comfortable talking about this sort of thing. Answer the question. Uh, sure. Well, I was pretty elated when the children were born, but I think that was a kind of hormonal thing. I think your body kicks in and it makes oh, you Oh, we happy. all say that. Next next answer. What else you got for me? Well, I got married. I was actually genuinely happy. I smiled a lot. And I did feel sore in the face the next day, so I guess that's proof that I was pretty happy. <laughs> See, that's just mawkish. That's not, that's not a funny story. Oh, does it have to be a funny story? Well, uh, yeah. What worth is there in me? <laughs> If there isn't some I'm trying amusement. to establish that, Sean. Oh, okay. let, let me do my job here. No, I was pretty happy there. That was many years ago. That's what like, did you wear to your wedding? Uh, I had a, uh, oh, well, I wore a morning suit, I think, with a, uh, you know, Are because you, it was 89. You the full thing, like the, the cutaway morning suit, the whole bizzo. Yeah, yeah, although I didn't have striped pants. I mean, I, I kind of thought, oh, well, I look like, I'll dress like Groucho Marx. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> Did and you wear a hat? I didn't have a hat. No, I had a, uh, I had a kind of lavender uh, bow tie, which I – it was 1989, so forgive Love me. Love it. Yeah, forgive Cummerbund? me. Cummerbund? Yes. Oh, yeah. <gasps> well, you, you, of course. Did it match the lavender bow tie? Uh, oh, God, I hope not. I got a, oh, God, I, I hope so. I think it might have. Oh, please. I think it might have. But there was no ruffle or frill or – you know, it was a proper morning suit. Was it love at first sight with your wife? Um – yeah, I guess so, yeah. What was it? You know, that was my... Oh, no, so I was expecting a funny story there, like, no, yeah. we met each other and we hated each other, and then, you know... No, like we, got on, we got on famously. Uh, the, what was the first meeting? I was finishing my last law exam, and I went out to celebrate, and she was finishing her... So I was, And that was actually the end of my time at law school, and for her it was the end of her first year at law school, right. last exam. So we happened to... We had mutual friends, so we, we, we bumped into each other and... Uh, Amazingly, I tricked her into into thinking I was uh, w- worth seeing another time when I wasn't drunk. So we went out, <laughs> went out and had dinner, and and uh, built from there. So the, the relationship is entirely built on uh, food. We just go out to dinner a lot. The greatest relationships are. Yes, that's, how, that's how mine was struck. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that's uh, why I was curious. Table after table after table of food. Well, when, when we had uh, when we had lunch, you'd start eating off my plate. <laughs> I didn't know quite what to make of it. That's just being one of seven and never sort of having <laughs> enough food to eat. Oh, you were hungry. Yeah, oh, you I'm could have always all, hungry. Yeah, the age was paying for it. You could have had another course <laughs> if you wanted. I would have not judged you. Oh, yes, you would have. It would have been at the Virginia. Ate her way through the entire menu. It would have you, been the end of it. You were very good about that article because I got some things wrong and you corrected them quite rightly when I you did. were given the proof. And then they, it already went. It already gone to print. All as, the mistakes as were is, in there. As is the case. Mm. My, um, my, I have only you know one son of my own. I have three beautiful stepchildren as well. But this young one actually eats with his arm <laughs> around the plate. And I said to him, why are you doing this? No one else. And he looked at me yeah. like, yeah, there is. Yeah. You pinch things off. So I've taught my son to protect his food yeah. as he eats. Isn't that terrible? Does he snarl at you if you come towards his he food? Will I'm eventually. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure eventually. I, I'm sure you <laughs> just sure. can't help yourself. And, <laughs> Maybe he no. doesn't want you to copy his food. Maybe that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Just like in class, don't copy my food. The saddest moment in my life so far oh, has been. Again, I'm not used to going. No, oh, well, apart, answer it. Apart from deaths, you know, where you obviously you're. you're you know, we're genetically engineered to be a bit sad because mm. that's just the way of things. But uh, probably the cancel, the non-death thing would be the cancellation of the the chat show that I had on Channel Nine back in two thousand and three. That was pretty. That was pretty uh, leveling in terms of like because a lot of people lost their jobs as a result of my yeah. incompetence. And Take us through that again. So, because <laughs> oh, I know you really want to. Yeah. But um, but how many episodes? How how far did you get into? Well, it's that? thirteen. It's pretty good by by today's count. <laughs> Gee, they pulled most things on off air after two. If they don't. I work. remember. I like that show. I mean, you're well, a good you. you're a good chatter. So you know. Well, I d- I wasn't a very good interviewer. That's nice of you to say that. But I I think I might have been good in conversation. Uh, rather than as an interviewer. Why do you say that? With interviewers, you need to lead more. I mean, Andrew Denton told me once, he said, oh, the secret to, he said to me, uh, giving me this information, which I should have had before I did the show. <laughs> I said, well, how do you do it? And he said, well, the secret, you just listen. You just listen. You have to be genuinely interested in what other people had to say. So that's me out. I'm sitting there listening to somebody. In fact, this happened during the during the show. I was listening to Barry Humphreys of all people, who's who I love. Just he's uh, my idol, and I'm listening to him, and he's he's fascinating. And, I, and then I drifted off and thought, oh, hang on, I've got a joke coming up uh, after the break, didn't I? And I I completely phased out, and I hadn't heard what he said, and he had his eyebrows up, and I thought, oh God, he's just asked me a question. Oh, and no. I haven't I haven't heard anything. I was like Richard Colbeck in Senate Estimates. <laughs> so I, and I couldn't say sorry. Can you could you repeat that? I wasn't listening. What did you do? Well, I just I gave some bland, uh, generic plug-in placeholder answer, which kind of felt right, but may have seemed a bit disconnected with what he said. I think uh, I deflected essentially. Did you see? A look then sort of passed over his eyes like, ah, uh, this guy. Oh, no, he, he, he had my measure straight away. <laughs> he knew I was an idiot. I remember when we, we sat down in rehearsal just to do the um, – uh, just to get the cameras right. And he said, which one's my camera? And I said, oh, because I'm thinking, you're in an interview, you don't have your own camera. But he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And the very interesting thing about Mr Humphreys was that when he wanted you not to interrupt him because – you know, I'm an idiot and I keep talking and gabbling over him. When he didn't want you to step yeah. on his line, he would just slightly out of shot lean over and touch your arm to hold, basically to, to hold you, to hold you. Which is what Edna does quite a lot. If you see Edna talking to someone, she's gently touching somebody, like shut up until I finish. Essentially, <laughs> the comedian inside Edna is saying that. And I thought, oh, what a, that's fascinating. I must write that down. And this is the first ep of the show, and and really the only reason I did the show was so I could meet Barry. 
Oh, so then being cancelled was not a bad thing because you got to meet Barry. <laughs> I met him. Be grateful. I met him. That'll there were 12 do. more episodes that were boring and then it was off. You're right about a lot of people losing their jobs, though. That's a very good point to make yeah. because we focus only on the star and, oh, you know, how do you feel? And isn't that terrible? And, and uh, there's a whole lot of crew who have uh, had the ground pulled out from under them as well. Sure. I mean, I got paid out. They didn't, you know. That, yeah. So, you know, but mind you, a lot of them were working at nine, so they just went on to the next thing. Probably Daryl did something, <laughs> came back and <laughs> took over. Seems to do that a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he quite looked, extraordinary. There's no, they're not get, you know, getting rid of him, and uh, <laughs> that's great. What a great survival instinct he has. <laughs> Was it hard to come back from for you emotionally? Um, I turned a lot of things down afterwards. I, I was offered a bit of work afterwards here and there to play. You know, could you be the hanging judge on this talent contest? A whole lot of stuff that didn't feel right. And also, just I was gun shy. It was really working dog with um, Thank God You're Here. They're the ones that got me back on television. It was about 18 months later they asked me to be on their show. So that Gosh, was, that was a good show. Yeah, I mean, I owe them. And, and from that, I got talking about your generation, which was right. which was me getting back into TV again. So there you go. I owe them uh, a great debt of thanks. They know who they are. So, yeah. Michael and gang. Well yeah. done. Um, was that entirely extemporised? Oh, yeah. Well, as far as the... Well, obviously, you, you, they know what they're doing. But when you burst into the room, oh, yeah, you no. genuinely have no idea. No idea. I mean, you can make some uh, judgments based on the costume you're wearing and based yeah. on the... Yeah, that's it, really. You just Because I, I go, oh, well, this looks Elizabethan, so I figure it might be... So you might work out a I'd couple... I'd better have a few uh, Alas Poor Yorick's ready to go. Maybe. I mean, you've got to pull from whatever Oof. experience you've got. So, <clears throat> Is that the hardest comedy, you've, some of the hardest you've done? Yeah, look, I think I... I mean, I did quite a few appearances on that show, yeah. and I think half of them worked, <clears throat> and half of them were a bit... I'd go home going, oh, I could have... It was coulda, woulda, shoulda. I could have yeah, yeah. done this, I would have... Oh, man, it was terrible. So you'd beat yourself up a bit. But when it did work, it was the greatest feeling. And they'd really look after you in the edit. No one looked like a complete idiot. Our final question this morning, my secret pleasure is... Oh, watching Jason Statham films. Who? You know, he's the kickboxing guy. He was oh. in uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking <laughs> Barrels. He does a lot of, uh, a lot of like, revenge films, like uh, the Mechanic series and Parker and Hummingbird. And he's kicking people. and Like those uh, Liam Neeson films and the, the Gerard Butler films. I love That's a great revelation. There's and so many takers, there's nothing left. <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> Sean, great to have you in the studio. Thank you for answering the questions honestly, truthfully. Yes. As much as I can tell. Yeah, I was being honest. <laughs> You Don't Know Me is presented by Virginia Trioli and produced by Katrina Palmer, Kelsey Rutino and Jules Hay. Audio production by Ross Kay. On the next episode of You Don't Know Me, host of RN's Health Report, co-host of CoronaCast and commentator on ABC TV 730, Dr Norman Swan. I mean, I think that my relationship with my mother has affected my relationships. Uh, In what the, way? Well, I think she had borderline personality trait, but it really meant that you could never trust the mood that she was in, and so and things could turn around incredibly quickly against you. So you could not trust a conversation with your own mother. That's next time on You Don't Know Me. Thanks for listening. <laughs>